Well, Security North and South is on the road this week. We're actually in California at the Cal Saga Conference. So That's south, right? Yes, yeah, south, west, east, something <laughs> like that. So it's not Alabama or Canada. We yeah, know that much, right? Go. So, But when Mark, Mark and I first started this series, we talked about uh, not just diving into the security of business, but also the business of security. So we've got a great friend today to talk about insurance. Uh, John Black is a senior vice president for Hub International. So, John, great to have you today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, and we wanted to talk to somebody in the insurance industry because of the unique qualities of the security industry, but we'll get into that here in a second. But, John, tell us about yourself. How'd you get in the insurance and the security game? I'd say it was an unconventional approach. Um, I was a military intelligence officer for the U.S. Army. I was a captain and uh, got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, unfortunately, and it was affecting promotions and what my future was going to be in the military. So I made a pivot and I thought insurance would be a pretty seamless transition for me, which is interesting because- <laughs> That's an interesting seamless transition yeah, right there. It is, and, and let me make the connection here. So as an MI officer, what you do is you study the enemy and you look for weaknesses and then you make recommendations to the command team. As an insurance agent, um, you you're go. studying risk, you're studying the enemy, and you're making recommendations on how to protect the company. So I like that. Well done. It's yeah, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. 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 You've already changed my entire perception of the insurance industry <laughs> in, in just the first three minutes. So that's that's good. Well, how did you get into actually working with security companies? Yeah, and my background in the military made that pretty seamless too. You know, I, I enjoyed the mission, I enjoyed the patches, I enjoyed the vehicles, everything. It just felt like the right fit for me and I was able to make a lot of introductions and connections and yeah it's been terrific. Right on. And you cross paths with other ex-military folks? I mean obviously on the security company side but what about the insurance uh, insurance business? A little bit on the insurance side. You know insurance is interesting. You know no, no one's in high school thinking <laughs> I want to be an NBA basketball player, a fireman, fighter or, pilot yeah. or an insurance agent you know so it's, it's unique how people find their way into insurance. Yeah. Yeah, a few yeah. you know, in insurance, but mostly in, in the security industry. And my, my guess is you've seen a lot of change in the security industry over the last couple of years. We won't ask you to list you know, those, those changes, but any highlights, anything that you know, kind of jumps to mind that you're just thinking to yourself like, oh yeah, this is completely different from when I first started. Yeah, I'd say over the last five years, we, we've seen a, a steady hardening on the liability, uh, excess auto management liability lines. And when I say hardening it, it it's harder to get coverage because okay. carriers are pulling back they have yep. a less of a appetite for risk so you're seeing less coverage offered higher deductibles really just less aggressiveness in the marketing effort so I've seen that and then I've also seen um, conversely on the workers comp a softening you know we've seen oh, flat or yeah. competitive renewals which for a guard company or any security company is, is welcome news because they have high pay, high sure. payrolls. Workers' comp is typically a big part of their total cost of risk. Yeah. So, it, you know, it, it's helped neutralize a little bit of the increases yeah. on the line. Sure. And I probably should have said this at the outset, but nothing here should be construed as legal advice or, or specific <laughs> insurance uh, guidance. I'll give uh, all legal advice and all the insurance advice. Yeah, okay? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Based on Canadian law, I'm yeah, sure. So, uh, but it, but seriously, every situation is different. Every yes. company is different. But talk a little bit about how it's different to do underwriting for, let's say, a logistics firm than it would be for a security services firm. What's unique about our industry? Yeah, it's a, that's a great example. Uh, it is an absolute unique beast, to put it simply. Um, you know, for a logistics firm or something simpler like a coffee shop, you know, 
you could call up a farmer's agent and get that quoted pretty easily yeah, with an admitted yeah, yeah. carrier, no problem. Uh, for a security company, most firms are, are covered through the excess and surplus lines market. And, and what that means, it's, it's carriers that are not limited by the regulations of the state. And so they have more flexibility, yeah. which, which benefits yeah, the insured at the company level, as long as they don't go insolvent, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. there's a whole other level there. But yeah, very unique in, in quoting properly an insurance company because of what they're doing is unique. And, and if you line up, just like you said, you know, three different security companies, they're all very different. Different customer base, different services offered, everything is unique. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, if I was going to start a security services company tomorrow, you know, I mean, what would, what, what's a highlight suggestion you would say, hey, do this first, you know, from an insurance perspective, of course. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I, I would say a contract posture is, is key yeah. right from the get-go. You know, having a very strong standard service agreement where you're you're protecting yourself in the indemnification language. And, and full disclaimer, I am not an attorney, so I advise on the contracts from an insurance standpoint. Yeah, but we do see some really broad language on even a client's standard agreement. So yeah. getting that part correct from the get-go. And then oftentimes the security firm signs a third party contract. Yeah. So having a good process to review those contracts and knowing where to push back in order to limit their yeah. own liability and yeah, in yeah. turn the, the carrier's liability, that's critical. And then I would say partnering with a broker that specializes in the industry. Yeah, good point. While we will never stand in the way of revenue and say, you know, don't go after this particular contract, right. it's important to forecast costs and say, hey, it may not look like this on the surface, but in the eyes of a carrier, this is a really high risk category. Yeah. Yeah. And so you need to budget accordingly. Yeah, so go with care that. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 totally makes yeah. sense. Well, and you raise the, the contracts, and quite often we'll sign a contract, put it in a drawer, forget about <laughs> it, and then when you have that claim three or four years later, uh, the, the carrier, the claims management firm, asks you for not just the contract, but the post orders, in some cases, training records. So yes. do you see a lot of security companies not really grasping the totality of, of what's required to really have a good claims management process? Sure. Yeah, I, I'd say a lot of folks get very excited at new revenue, get very excited about the contract, and then now they're minutes later they're thinking how am i going to staff it yeah but yeah, the, the contract language especially these days right <laughs> and, and the post orders maybe don't get as much attention as they should case in point we, we see a lot of groups that will agree to fringe type services that are related to security but yeah purely yeah, security yeah. Yeah. case in point uh had a client that, that agreed to um check the temperatures on reefer trucks oh coming boy. in and out of a, a meat processing plant and the initial thought on their end was you know we may be liable for a mistake in the temperature for the value of the meat in the truck which maybe it's 50,000 of meat but yeah. what I was recommending them is think about what could happen if the meat spoils it gets onto the <laughs> shelf and then someone eats it gets sick or dies right there's tremendous liability yeah, yeah, with yeah. the so really kind of thinking about it a couple of steps further right and beyond the yeah. obvious yeah yeah post orders are, are critical yeah we could entitle this episode things that keep insurance professionals and security professionals <laughs> up at night uh yeah because we, we are in california right well, I mean, we are a lot yeah of, lot of, yeah rules. Uh, All right. there's a disclaimer scrolling right now about uh, california law but um and Mark touched on this earlier, the type of risk profile that we have. Let's say Mark and I both own a security services company, and he is highly leveraged in arm retail. Mm -hmm. 
and I do all industrial unarmed, that, that of course is going to present different scenarios when it comes to underwriting. They're going to look at that totally different, right? Absolutely. And it, it, it's so critical to understand that because as you're trying to grow your business, you need to price accordingly. And the armed retail with maybe some apprehension in the post orders, you know, if they're doing any kind of loss prevention, yeah. is going to be much more risky than, you know, a warehouse or a factory that's access control, which in the eyes of a carrier, that's that's bread and butter. Yeah. They're, they're looking to write a lot of that, yeah, of and they're course. being very cautious on interior loss prevention retail. So yeah, great yeah, point. yeah. That can, that can all have a big change. And, and again, we won't get too deep into this because you don't want to see three grown men cry uh, openly <laughs> on camera here. But right now, uh, and again, we won't get into specific cases, but the verdicts, the settlements are just off the chart. Yeah. So if there was a couple of things, and we know there's no magic formula, there's no way you can avoid that. But, but in hindsight, if there's a couple of things you could tell security company owners to try to avoid those, what would that be? How do they try to keep themselves out of that situation? You're right. I mean, we've seen a number of nuclear verdicts lately that are really disrupting the insurance industry, both both inside security and outside security. I mean, with Hurricane Ian, that's absolutely going to have an impact. But what can a, a guard company do at, at their level? And I think it's back to what we were just talking about. It's contract posture. It's intelligently growing in areas that they know are, are moderate in risk or low in risk, or if they're high in risk understanding they're going yeah. in with that eyes wide open yep. and minimizing yep. that as much as they can yep. definitely yep. good point yeah and then the service per perspective of course is changing too you know what i think customers are asking for in a lot of cases has changed and of course i'm on the technology side of things in my my day-to-day day-to-day life how have you seen security service companies kind of approach that you know from a security technology point of view have you seen people openly embrace and you know maybe any any comments or tips suggestions kind of in and around what someone should do yeah it's been it's been a steady movement you know towards an increased technology use and it's been neat that's to good see. news folks that's, yeah. that's really good <laughs> at, at the you know man guard industry level and and all throughout the security industries uh, but also in the insurance industry yeah you know, yeah we, of course yeah we case in point you know you, you were talking about the contract mix and different categories being riskier than others. You know, I, I developed a form that is proprietary and it's got its own algorithm in there where I plug in guard payroll per service category for the entire customer mix and then it populates a CPR, a contract profile rating. Huh. And the higher that percentage, the more attractive in my mind, yeah. having collected a lot of feedback from underwriters, that particular company's mix is. And if it's a low percentage, you know, we talk about it and we say, hey, this particular category is armed. You know, it's it's a cannabis dispensary or it's a low income housing. This yeah. is going to throw off the attractiveness of your account. Yeah, of course. In the market. Right? So sure. completely taking away the dartboard on the back of the door, right? Just kind of throwing darts. <laughs> yeah, at yeah conventionally, that's what we've seen. We've seen payroll slapped on an application. You know, you, you add a loss run to it and you, you throw it towards the marketplace and yeah. see what comes back. Interesting. With, with a hard market, we have to be a lot more intentional about how we're presenting yeah. clients. Yeah. Yeah, well, and we were talking, I think, last night about this analogy, and I think you just explained it much better than I can, but as a um, young person 25 years ago, my impression of the security industry is that they're trying to sell me a product or service, so they do all the legwork, and they come to me and try to convince me to buy their, their coverage. Mm -hmm. 
In a reality, it's sort of the opposite. I've got to convince them that I've got the proper risk appetite, my contracts are solid. And the interesting thing about technology, and let me be very careful, I'm certainly not stating this as a best practice or, or even a trend that I'm seeing, but just anecdotally, I've seen insurance carriers certainly look at that as less risky. And then in the marketplace, it's amazing to me how the end user will agree to contractual language on the technology side they would not agree to on the personnel side. Uh, for example, limitations of liability, identification. Uh, when you're dealing with uniform personnel, that seems to be much more of a struggle than if you're using robotics or video analytics. Um, there seems to be almost a more uh, welcome embrace to, to that when it comes to the risk for, for loss. but. I think we'll see more of that down the road as technology becomes more of a broad topic in our industry. But um, if you were to talk to someone who was just starting out and they were calling you and saying, what do I do to make sure I present myself as best I can to a broker or an underwriter, what would you tell them? Yeah, and it goes back to what we've been hitting on this this whole time. You know, it's it's clearly laying out what work you're doing and breaking out the ones that have a little bit of hair on them, the contract categories that have a little bit of risk to them, you know, whether it be schoolwork, whether it be cannabis dispensaries, executive protection for celebrities, you know, it's something that's in the higher risk or medium risk category, unpacking that and making a carrier feel more comfortable. But then also really uh, emphasizing the stuff you're doing when you hire the officer. You know, at the end of the day, the officer on the line or the officer driving the vehicle is going to t- determine if there's a claim or not, yeah. largely, right? So what the hiring process looks like, what the training process looks like, what kind of compliance they have, what kind of technology they're using, you know, the risk management information systems, REMIS is, is really big right now, telematics for the patrol fleet. And, and those things are, are hard to invest in early on yeah. for someone starting out. But having a plan in place and thinking yeah. 12 to 18 months down the line, we're going to yeah. incorporate technology. Yeah, what, what, yeah, what's the vision, right? As a service provider, what do I want to be? What do I want the market to look at me as? And how do I do business? Yeah. And it comes down to, you know, we, we hear that a lot. All, all security companies are the same. You know, you're hiring yeah. same, same person one day, they're in this, and the next day they're in that, they're in that uniform. But it goes way beyond that. You know, that, that's what I'm hearing. So on the, on the business side of it, how you structure is going to make a big difference yeah. in terms of how you operate. Sure. You know, yeah. yeah. Well, sometimes just, just simple transparency, which sometimes we, we yeah. avoid, uh, but, but really having that relationship, we're in the relationship business, the same is true for insurance carriers, really, you know, almost that collaboration of this is what type of company we are. Uh, I know it's hard for someone starting out to, to really make this claim, but sometimes in, in my history, again, just anecdotally, knowing that the executive management team has been there for decades upon decades. And that we're not just trying to figure this out as we go along. And, of course, loss runs come up. But quite often, even, and again, anecdotally, I'm not saying this is a normal practice, but sitting down and saying, let me tell you about that claim. You know, it looks this way on a loss run, and you see that big maybe reserve or or an actual incurred cost. But let me tell you why that was an outlier. And you're not going to see that every single day. So just having that relationship and that transparency. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, talking through significant losses are so important for an underwriter and you know right now there's been a shift and and i would say most seasoned underwriters in this space probably care most about the contract mix what type of work you're doing and the very close second is the losses 
and any losses that are of concern and large, you know, we, we want to unpack that, go through what happened, why it happened, what's changed operationally, you know, has there been disciplinary action for the employee? Are they still there? Yeah. Yeah. All, all yeah. those things that matter because at the end of the day, an underwriter is like me, sitting in a cubicle in another state. I have 150 other security companies in my book of business and by client, I want to be profitable, which for me means I want to collect more premium than I pay out in claims. Makes sense. It's, it's a rolling math yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. Write that down, Mark. I yeah, didn't. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah, I, I knew there was. I knew there was a formula I, there. I want to make one more point, though. <laughs> is is for a a smaller company or even you know an established company, the goal should be let's present a story that convinces that underwriter that at a hundred thousand, yes, you, you're confident you can be profitable, but because of A, B, and C, because of all this technology, because of what we're doing with our employees, right. you could be profitable at eighty grand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you reduce premium, you make the company more profitable. Yeah, tell the story. Everybody yeah, wins. Tell the story. Tell the story. That's what it comes yeah. down to. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and one last thing, too, and again, anecdotally, is quite often we neglect to call guys like you and ask for advice and opinions. And, and again, I know early on in my career, I'm only calling the insurance carrier if I have a problem. And in our daily life, we only call them if the roof collapses or if we have a flood. But I've seen, and again, it goes back to our point, having someone that knows the industry. And again, to your point earlier, not that they're going to say, hey, you can't do that, or I want to get involved in your business strategy, but sometimes bouncing things off, like how do you view this from an underwriting standpoint? And if I have a claim down the road, what do I need to have in place? Let's talk about contracts. Yes. So very unique industry. We need guys like you to help us uh, yeah, uh, be keep, guided keep, through keep that. So, yeah. yeah. Conventionally, that process happens like this. I'm looking at a new contract. I send it to my broker. Do I meet the insurance requirements? Can I move forward on this? Maybe look at the indemnification language. Yeah. Going way beyond that about what type of contract it is, how it would impact rates at the renewal, and how you would be viewed in that contract profile rating is, is the next level which companies, I think, need to get to in a, in a hard market. Ten yeah. years ago, it didn't matter. Yeah. It matters yeah. right now. Probably going to matter more so in the next 10 years. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, John, appreciate it. And you're on our first outdoor episode. Yeah, so, first um, yeah, if you're listening to this, you're hearing the soundtrack, <laughs> yes. you're hearing birds and um, the occasional ca- car bit of horns. Information, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there may have been a broker or two walk by in the background. I'm not sure. <laughs> but notes. exactly. Well, John, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, uh, my email, john.black at hubinternational.com. Easiest way to do it. Right on. Thanks again, man. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate it.